Welcome to another chapter of In the Keep Podcast. I'm your very own Prophet of the Drowned God, the Motherload. This show is all about the world of arena first-person shooters, classic FPS games, their legacies, their lineage, and the people who keep that world turning. These are the players, the developers, the streamers, the influencers. It is the will of the Drowned God Cathala that our communities band together in her cathedral to frag and give one another into oblivion for all eternity. Happy Catholidays, people. I believe this episode is going to come out on Catholimus Eve. But yeah, I hope you're enjoying yourself, man. And whenever you do get the chance to check this out, I hope you enjoy it. It's my gift to you and to myself mostly. This is my conversation with the great Machiavelli. I mean, what what can I say? This guy, if, if there were a Mount Rushmore of Quake, Machiavelli would be on it. It's, it's such an honor that uh, he spent the time that he did with me. We actually had a lot of technical difficulties the day of recording. We even lost some of the tail end of the interview. But I think that we... Uh, formed a complete conversation in the course of what you're about to hear and i anticipate we will have machiavelli back again uh sometime maybe first quarter next year or just whenever we both have the time because it's it's hard to make schedules line up the way you want them to but just yeah dude this is awesome i'm so excited about this one before we uh get into it i do want to go ahead and say thank you to everybody who supports the show so that said we got dots moose paul zach Alexander, Lashaka, Jeffrey, and Alyssa. I fucking love you all. You're amazing. The drowned god Cathala sends her regards to each and every one of you. And that's not just the people who give monetarily. Everybody who listens to this show, everybody who in any way brings joy home from what we do here, I I appreciate you as well. And all that we ask from you, you know, if you can't afford or don't want to donate or whatever, that's fine. You don't have to. It's not about that. It's about spreading the message. So tell your friends, we love you. That's the best way you can support us. Uh, the Oh yeah, we have a special song this week. So this track is called Catholomus. It was created by the, the great I Greg Simon, and you can find him on YouTube and all that stuff. But hey, I'm going to stop yammering on. There's no need. Let's just get right to it. Let's get in the keep with Machiavelli. Victor Quadra, um, known as Machiavelli Online. You kind of always get asked about the origin of the name. You're a big like West Coast hip hop guy, right? Tupac. Sure, sure. You know that was um, at the time, right? When I was yeah. a teenager, and it's the '90s, so that was you know the whole, I guess, real growth of that scene. I, I like, <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a lot of popular, it was popular music at that time, and I liked the name. It was catchy. No, it's a sick name, dude. But I don't know. I kind of got it in my head. Like, I wonder if he's like one of those like Tupac loyalists. Like, if I bring up Biggie Smalls, you're gonna come over here and cat me. But, no, 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 Biggie was great too. It was a darn shame. Darn shame. Yeah. What, what happened? Yeah, uh, it was like the the Wu Tang Clan series that's been on like, oh, uh, what is it? Hulu recently. Like everybody's like all hopped up about like '90s hip hop again, and I I love that shit. So yeah, a lot of a lot of good music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't have any like favorite tracks from the time or was it just particular? Oh, like- I mean, it'd be a laundry list on honestly. If, if I, I mean nothing, nothing I feel appropriate really to mention anymore. Cause it's, I don't know some of the language. It's like, <laughs> 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 I'm like, which, which songs here? I'm like, <laughs> I mean, it depends which, which band or which artist and, and, yeah, this a, lo- a long list. Number one best Tupac song. Ugh, number one, number one. You're, you're you have to pick one. That's uh, oh man. I, uh, well, okay. I'll just I'll go easy. California love. Okay, that's easy. Right. Fair enough. Yeah, it's it's it encompasses everything. 
covers the whole demographic, got all the people in there. Yeah, very, very PC answer. <laughs> yeah. Did you, uh, so you, you grew up in like the San Francisco, Silicon Valley area? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. So, yeah. I have a buddy. Little, little, little town called Livermore. Okay. One of my good buddies uh, grew up kind of same area, same time frame, and he's like really into Quake 2, not nearly on your level. Spaced, I'm talking about you, man. And he was telling me stories about like how, you know, he always thought he sucked at video games because he, you know, in the 90s, get on Bay Area servers, not knowing who you guys were. Then you guys would just kick the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was no shame losing to me in Quake 2, at, at, at least at one, at one point. Yeah. Early on, yeah, I had to earn my stripes, but later on, yeah, that's uh I was trash. I was trash canning everybody. So you lost to me. It was no big deal. That was the uh, one of the more interesting things about it, though. Uh, I think you may have brought this up with Thorin a while back, maybe like 2015. I'm not sure when the interview took place, but you did. You did kind of talk about like how your I don't want to say your attitude necessarily, but the way that you played the game at that time was like you weren't pulling punches from anybody. You're very uh, very aggressive. Kind of in not, sure. not necessarily in play style, but definitely in the way that you uh, handled other people. So, yeah, I just, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess I just kind of looked at it as I was playing the game, and um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I, I don't. Understand, I still don't understand the concept of go to go easy. Like, how, how do you go easy? Like, how do you pull your punches? I guess in a game, it's it's so it's it's like you're telling me. So you want me to make poor decisions on purpose like you want me to just you know i i don't know i mean it's it's kind of a weird concept to me well that's actually an interesting kind of thing to bring up especially uh there seems to be a differentiation between the mind of you know a player like yourself and then like most casual people who play the game so like to you it's like Uh, go ahead no please yeah i'm i'm just i I don't know i'm just a very competitive person i have i've typically been that way even even as a kid you know growing up playing soccer i yeah. was really really do not like to lose i enjoy winning and uh yeah so yeah, there's a lot of i guess attitude that goes along with that well, a lot of people it seems just in my observations like you you use the words like you want me to make poor decisions but most people just accidentally make poor decisions and then they are actively trying as they play not to fuck up, you know, whereas for you, it's like, see, it's like hard for you to fuck up almost. Well, maybe back then, right yeah. now, it's very easy for me to fuck up because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, it, it takes yeah. dedication and, and practice and, and to be, to be really good at anything, right. It doesn't matter what you, what you're doing in life, whether it's video games or, or some other passion. If you, if you want to be the best at something or you're trying to be the best, it's, it's almost, uh, it's almost obsessive. I would mm-hmm. say, you know, it was bordering on, on a serious obsessive problem like that. That's where it, cause otherwise, how do you get there? And I would ask anybody that, how do you, how do you become the best in the world at something or, or close to it without being a little obsessive or a lot obsessive yeah. about that? And, um, yeah, it's kind of comes with the territory. Yeah. You gotta be a little crazy to be a genius, whatever it's at kind of, <laughs> yes. So they say, so they say, yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know who they are, but you know, I'm just that, that you know, <laughs> all, all of them, everyone, <laughs> all of them, the yeah, collective. Everyone. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, it's funny. Like you say they like, you're, like it's like 1984 or something like Machiavelli. Oh, it's getting scary, dude. Maybe they're listening to us right now. They're always listening. Yeah, it's fine. I listened to that uh, fucking Edward Snowden was on Joe Rogan. I was running and I, I did the best run time I've ever done while listening to that shit. I had like puckered up super like, man, I, I don't have anything to hide, but they're listening to everything I say. Like shit. Yeah. You know, who knows, who knows what the, what they're listening to. <laughs> I try not to think about it too much, honestly. Yeah. Back in the early days, you know, internet, they, it must've been a lot freer and playing games online back then I and mean, not with the accessibility, you know, that we have today and like the convenience of everything, but like the community, what was the, like the group of people hanging out on Quake 2, like when you were coming into your own? Um, well, you get, you get to know certain people, I guess, right. It's more of a smaller community. People, mm-hmm. um, private, private servers were, were a thing, right. People are putting up their own servers, whether, you know, 
I don't know how they were doing it, either paying for space somewhere or putting it up at their job <laughs> or, you know, um, so yeah, there, there was that aspect of it. You get used to seeing the same names over and over again. And, uh, so then, then that kind of is what developed into these regional rivalries or even clans, right? Or are the people from our server are better than the people from your server? And then, you know, it just kind of expands from there. But yeah, the community was definitely smaller, um, more more personal because um, you, you tend to know everybody versus, you know, the internet's just grown so much. It's, it's you can't, <laughs> the numbers are just ridiculous. And along with the technology, right? Everybody's talking on voice and, and, and that kind of thing while playing games. Yeah, I always like to use the uh, the analogy of like the 80s Kung Fu tournament movie for that kind of era, that, that time frame of gaming. Because like you said, you know, everybody was kind of, lo- you know, localized to their servers, to their clans and everything. And then, then when we end up, you know, with these bigger events that people ended up going to, it was kind of like a people from this dojo and people from this dojo and who's the best. And we're going to have a big tournament to figure it out. Whereas now it's a lot more worldwide. Well, yeah, it's more, more professional mm-hmm. today, which, you know, you got, you got organizations that are, that are funding players and, you know, really, really putting the dollar behind um, the product, which is the player and, and making sure they're prepared for the event and that they can play, you know, their best. Whereas, yeah, before it was more of a semi-pro, um, you know, I guess I would kind of, if I had to make a comparison to, to something that is kind of one-on-one, like the early days of golf, right? The little amateur tournaments and stuff they would have where it's, it's, you just kind of bring in these hotshot golfers. So technically there is no pro league, but they're winning all these little, you know, amateur style tournaments for side cash kind of thing. And, and you know, you have them face off. It's, it's, it was more like that. Whereas um, today, you, you know, it's, it's full on professional. You, you got to de- really devote a lot of time and uh, put a lot of effort into it and have uh, a decent amount of talent as well to, to make it work today. Yeah. So like, who are you, your local guys, like who, who always hanging around? specifically like anyone of note that you want to bring up you, you mean back in back in my my yeah. day as they as we like to back, say back in your day sir back back in my yeah. day when we had ball mice and, and ps2 you know connections and you know 125 hertz on your mouse was considered you know really good um yeah i was uh, immortal was probably yeah. early on was was one of the per- people i played a lot um definitely uh got the better of me early on and I uh, learned a lot from that um, because he was just uh, a very naturally talented player in regards to mechanical ability. He can hit some shots. So if you were able to play around him uh, or at least contain him to some degree, it means you got a good mental understanding of the game. So I enjoyed playing him quite a bit. Um, and then later on, you know, just uh, hung around with the canine guys, uh, Yusufur, Alcazar, Bitter. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of quaint. Uh, there's a lot of guys that I used to hang around. There were just Bay Area players, um, and of course, you know, you know, Thresh. It depends how far back you want to go, right? And Thresh, of course, is all the way back to you know Doom Two, and uh, I'm still talk to him. Um, so yeah, I hung out with all the guys, all the Bay Area guys, pretty much. And there's some old names that people never heard of: Kicker, Racine, um, um, guys on Duango, um, you know, and um, Dennis's brothers, uh, Lyle and Brian. Um, I just I could go on and on. I guess I, as the longer I think about it, I could probably probably pull some more names out. But um, yeah, just the Bay Area people in general. Yeah, it's kind of the reason I bring it up is just because there's kind of a history in the you know the development of esports in that area at that time, and you just happen to be like right there in it too. Uh, sure, internet yeah. connection obviously much better in you know San Francisco than it's going to be in. I don't know, uh, St. Louis or whatever at, at that time, uh, boom, like the, the center of technology kind of growing off. And there's so many players, like really great players that just kind of practiced, as I said earlier, kind of in that dojo with you guys. And then we get, I, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but like, you know, you're a fucking quake legend, man. Like that thresh you brought him up is like, what an interesting time in the, in the history of our, our sport really. Yeah. Uh, I say I'm the, uh, esports equivalent of like an NFL leatherhead. Yeah. If you look at the NFL, I'm like, 
<laughs> you know, it's, 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 yeah, all the, all the guys making millions today, it's like, you're welcome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> but no, it, was, it was an interesting time because um, a lot of people thought, thought it was nuts. They legitimately thought it was nuts. Like when you explain it to them, like, what? You know, what do you mean you're going to play video games for? What do you mean, like, what Lee? What, what professional video games? Nobody will ever pay, nobody will ever spend money to watch you play video games. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's, that's, that's the statement. Nobody will ever pay money to watch you play video games. Well, look, fast forward 20 years and here we are. And yeah, and, and people are paying money to, to watch people play video games, especially if they're really good. Not, you yeah. don't even have to be and, good if you're hot, you know. <laughs> people just give you money to play games shit well, I would say I would say if you're entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're entertaining, <laughs> you're you're um yeah, you have value and people will pay, yeah, why not? Why not throw you five dollars a month, you know, just to just to get some emotes and laugh on your stream. Hey, if you make me laugh, right? If I tune in, you make me laugh here and there and you know, yeah. give me maybe give me a little adrenaline when I need it when I'm at work or before work or what have you, then yeah, why not? So what? What's the difference? I, I've always kind of had that argument even back when I was young. It's like people are like, What do you offer? It's like what, what do you mean what do I offer? It's entertainment. Like what I can play, you know, I can beat people 30 to zero all day. Well, you know, at that time, right. He's like, you know, you want, I can show you how it's done the best or, and, you know, I'll talk crap while you while I do it if you want. Or, um, I mean, there's, you know, there's, I mean, they take the doctor disrespect ankle, right. I mean, you guys, 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 an entertainer, guys, an entertainer, people tune in to see what he's going to say, see what shot he's going to hit or whatever. And if, even if he loses, it's entertaining. You know, he has some, he has some shtick for that too. And, um, yeah, it's come a long way. It's interesting. What were like? Uh, what What are some of the things that you feel like specifically you broke ground in? Like, I uh, actually, I think I brought you up on a recent episode because we were talking about uh, when in the early days they would s- kind of have like different gamers or developers go on TV, you know, or do these kind of uh, mainstream ish interviews. And then it was always like really fucking awkward because obviously the world was not ready for what you guys were trying to sell to them or say, you know, there was no articulate way to describe what we were really doing. And you were one of the people that like really did that uh, and did it well. I would just say, um, I was just trying in terms to normalize it. I, mm-hmm. I think there was this, like, again, a stereotype, um, but thankfully I don't think really exists anymore. You know, now when you talk about gaming and esports, especially with with the younger younger generation, they know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but I tried to try to eliminate that illusion that you know we couldn't talk or somehow that we we're socially awkward, and uh, you know that kind of broke ground in that regard. I was very mouthy, <laughs> um, you know, which which not in necessarily a positive way all the time. I was young and brash and and trying to and trying to make an impact. Um, trying to build a persona, but I, I'd like to think that yeah, I kind of started with the. It's it's not just a it's not just a player. I'm I'm also you know I got a persona when I play. You know that's it's I got an attitude when I play, and and that's um, something I, I tried to bring uh, bring out. And I felt uh, also that we we were a marketing like we were the product. Like I thought we could sell sell product. Yeah. In terms of hardware and hey, you know, this is the mouse I use. This is this is the video card I use. This is this is my setup. This is and this is why I use it this way. And if you want to be the best, that's right. You do you do what I do, um, and that sells. It does. And now people, you're right? You, you look at you look at everything going. Look at all the pro teams today. What are they, what are they selling? They're selling they're selling hardware. They're selling mice. They're selling video cards. They're selling monitors. They're selling keyboards. They're selling headsets. Yep. That's that's the dream. That's that's it right there. So, uh, oh, once oh, once again, you're welcome, boys. You're welcome. Yeah, it's no different than Michael Jordan selling fucking shoes. Except to be fair, like probably any pair of shoes would do. You know, there's more than just the shoe. Whereas with computer sure. technology, it's like, yeah, you really do have to have this powerful of a video card if you want to play the game at my level. Like, so you guys are like actually selling really important shit too. I mean, some of it's fluff, but. Sure. Well, I mean, look, the argument back then, you know, now you have 240 hertz and, and all that. But back then it was, you know, you actually have people arguing, ah, 60 hertz is fine. You know, 120, that's all, you know, 
that's all just talk. And I used to be like, man, if you can't tell the difference, man, you're blind, man. You need to go get your eyes checked, seriously. And even even now, with going up from if you go from 144 to 240, there's definitely a difference. If you can't see the difference, I highly recommend visiting your eye doctor. It's like, and I can't and I can't see where the dam either, and I noticed the difference. So <laughs> there's always that argument every time there's kind of like a newer, higher res visual thing. You know, like people argued like, oh, 4K TV, that'll never catch on, like because. Like there's always that oh the human eye can't even pick up yeah, that yeah, much yeah. yeah like yeah sure yeah I've heard that argument yeah, yeah and then yeah. I'm pretty sure Rafa's brain is a uh, like whether his eyes see it or not it's it's picking up some kind of subliminal message in there with his tracking shit like I'll that just say, I never never heard anybody good make that argument <laughs> say that it's uh that's true and then uh I don't know like also the the quake quake two itself. Very, very different uh, in retrospect, you know, from what everybody else kind of thinks about Quake as uh, that didn't play Quake Two. There's some people that entirely skipped it, and there's some people that would never play any other game, even to this day. Like I just play Quake Two or some form of Quake Two. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the black sheep of the, of the <laughs> series, I guess. In the, in some regards, it's the slow weapon switching that, that throws people off. Yeah, so you you can really get caught like out in the open while, while switching guns, which is not good, not good. And uh, so that takes an adjustment and it changes the play style of the game versus other quakes where um, you can be a little more in your face because of the quick weapon switching and it allows for, you know, different combos and things. So yeah. it, it's, it's just more measured a game and more measured game, I guess I would say. No, kind of yeah. uh, go ahead, please. Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't just be so, pedal to the metal with it you gotta be yeah, yeah gotta be co- careful measured calm like that's not mo- most of these like kind of like quake three players quake war quake world players especially like just balls to the wall fast all the time and like quake twos more like a dance watching you especially you play a lot of the demos online you know that are available to everybody of you playing are actually from your opponent's perspective and it's it's actually a really fun experience kind of like studying on your gameplay specifically because you all, most of it is just watching someone struggle with you. It's really fun. Some of these matches where it, it almost seems like you let them have kind of like their major items and then you were just denying weapons and coming up with ways to trap them as they came out for you. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I was more I was more concerned with weapon control um, than necessarily armor or health. I felt um, by limiting your your arsenal, yeah, uh, I can always put myself in an advantageous position to where you know you, you're missing that particular weapon. So I put you in positions where that weapon was the most advantageous to have, which would kind of be my goal. Um, so yeah, it, well, of course the game was different too with 30 second weapon respawns and 20 minute games. Um, you need, of course, the longer timer it makes sense when you have, you know, weapons taking 30 seconds to respawn. Um, but yeah, I definitely went with the weapon control aspect of Quake 2. Um, and that, I just never felt I was like the best with, with aim. So I tried to make my play style to kind of get around that and, and try to beat people who are, you know, maybe if I went head to head with them, you know, with the particular gun in particular situations, maybe they could, yeah, maybe they could kill me, but why, why even go there? It's kind of my, was, was kind of my thinking. Yeah. It's like your, your armor stack doesn't mean shit to me. If I have a rocket launcher and you don't have anything, you know, that makes perfect sense. And, yeah. And, and ground, right. And trying to take advantage of high ground and, mm-hmm. and little, um, intricacies in the game, like uh, you know, stairs could block splash damage more than like in Quake Champions. You see, they hit ledges, and uh, the, the splash is really effective on the ledge. But in Quake Two, actually, a ledge would completely just stop the the splash damage, and you can use things like that to your advantage. And um, yeah, just just knowing how to play around the the weapons, and it's the same with Quake Champions now. If you think about it, it's all about understanding um, arsenal and and how to take good advantage of, of position and, and, you know, and playing off of your enemy location and all that good stuff. When you talk to people about like, you know, like what about this quake and that quake and then quake Two, the big story always seems to be the rail gun. And then when I actually see the game played, especially by you high skilled motherfuckers, 
it's always uh it's a lot more rockets than and people always shit talk about the rockets like oh they're they're slow and they're weird and everything but it, i think it's just a measurement of your brain like your brain gets used to a certain thing you know how to measure it kind of without thinking about it and watching you play that that definitely seemed to be the case i used to get enjoyment out of hitting a good prediction shot so <laughs> i used to practice a lot and, you know especially if i could hit a long range one i'm like ah, you know yeah, i knew i joke you know it's, it's a bit lucky you know right you're just kind of you you're just kind of going off your gut you're just i want to throw one out there you know <laughs> and, it's, and then it hits so it's kind of like yeah yeah i knew he was coming you know and then it's like um but yeah it's 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 definitely shows it shows an understanding of of, of the game no matter what game you're what you're what you're playing for hitting good prediction shot means you're shooting early it means you're understanding what your opponent is thinking, what he wants to do, what he or she wants to do. Um, and that, that's a big aspect of, of first person shooters is, is understanding, you know, where, what they want to do. And I said, it, I've said it before is, you know what they're going to, you know what they're going to do before they know what they're going to do. Yeah. Like it's like I already know what you're gonna do, man. I'm already three steps, you know, down the road. Dude. No, I, I'm already there. I'm waiting for you. Chess, <laughs> chess master, you. but with rockets. Yeah, exactly. Chain yeah, guns with rockets. Shit. Yeah, but you you can do it in, in any in any game. You watch Counter Strike or any of the, the battle royale games, and you, you can pre when you always see people, good players pre firing and stuff. This, that's prediction. I'm timing you. So it, it that's it shows the good understanding of the game. How's your sleep like? You get, you're probably in alpha flow state at that, especially at that time, more than most people are, you know, really utilizing your brain at a higher level. Uh, you'd have to be to play at that level. I would think. Uh, I, do I sleep well? I, I don't have sleeping problems. If that's what you're asking. I'm, I'm just yeah, wondering, man. man. Anything. No, no, I can, I can, I can hit the pillow and uh, I'll be out, especially in the evening. Shoot, mm-hmm. man. Five, five minutes. I'm out. Hit you the play- pillow and out. Unless, unless, of course, you know, stress, stress or anxiety will keep anybody up. But under normal circumstances, no, I I don't have a problem sleeping. Okay. And you never did, like, growing up at all, nothing? No, no, not at all. And you're pretty active, like you said, you were an athlete in, you know, school and everything, moving up. Oh, oh yeah, and and even and even post, um, you know, as an adult, I've, I've although I've been slacking <laughs> a little recently, but yeah. but yeah, I've, I've been in and out of the gym as well, you know, as an adult. So I'm not, I'm not a strain I'm not a stranger to physical fitness and and getting you know getting getting sweaty and exerting myself, you know, not at all. Yeah, I find that interesting because uh, there's always been that stereotype that like you know gamers are a bunch of fat ass geeks in their mom's basement and they have pimples and you know, you think of like Eric Cartman on Southport where he's like playing World of Warcraft and shitting like in a bowl on his mom's face and no definitely <laughs> definitely not I, I I can say like just oh maybe what I don't know I'm a little off of it but a, a few years ago I was you know I'm, I'm repping 225 I was weighing like 170 175 and I was putting up 225 10 times 3 sets you know just to kind of get things going I was lifting yeah I'm strong strong boy yeah, some of the some of the best esports athletes I know are actually just they probably should have just been real athletes, like you know, in their in regards to their like focus on physical fitness. And I think that transfers to the time that you do spend, you know, sitting on your ass. But you're if you exert yourself physically a lot and often, then you're calmer when you're actually trying to calm down. Your body's not trying to do that shit in an off time. Yeah, I just I, I just keep it simple if you're feeling healthy. Yeah. If you're feeling healthy, you're usually feeling pretty good about yourself, and that that usually transcends to to a positive mental state, right? You're feeling good about yourself. I feel good. I look good. I'm like, you know, and 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 that that helps with your mind in terms of you know that's just something your mind's not worrying about, and I think it just puts you in a better place. And uh, when you're in a better place, you you think clearly, right? You know, people are under stress. People are under anxiety. This is why people struggle with tests. You know, there's people that they know the knowledge they do they have it they do they know it but they put them under a test under the light hag you got 90 minutes here's some questions they just fall apart they yeah. fall apart and, and it's because they're putting all this pressure on themselves and all the stress so your mental state can can mean a lot especially in high pressure situations so yeah being healthy is a factor were you good at tests in school yeah sick yeah yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with test taking. <laughs> Just never, do not, never have, never crack under pressure. Yeah, 
it's just no i just i don't even know what that is i i I don't i I don't i don't put myself under pressure i don't consider a test a a pressure yeah kind of thing i never really i was the kind of person where you know i blast through everything i know and uh, i'm speaking in college now where, where um a lot of my classes, especially in the, the tech side and then my networking side, there's all essay questions. So I just kind of blast through the stuff I know. There'd be stuff eh, I kind of remember. And then I'd have, you know, I'd be kicking my feet up with 45 minutes to go, you know, to an hour. Just be like thinking, letting the answers come to me. Not worried. You know, just try to relax. And, you'll, you know, you'll remember the material. Just don't put don't put that pressure on yourself because that, that'll close the mind off. Yeah, confidence is definitely key, man. Just, I don't even call it, I wouldn't even say confidence. I just think, just try to relax. Just try to relax, man. Seriously. Let, let, but, you know, tr- let the trying, trying to relax makes me stressed out more, man. I don't like. <laughs> yeah, make, yeah, it makes me stressed out that I can't relax. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, just drink a beer, give your balls a tug. It'd be all right. I, you know, I, everybody has to find their own method, but yeah, I, I just sure. know stress isn't good. For sure. I don't know. It's kind of funny think, thinking about you because, like, yeah, we we addressed that earlier. You did have like that reputation for like throwing chairs at people and shit, and like talking smack the whole time. You were like a pro wrestler. You're like the bad guy pro wrestler at some points in your quick career. <laughs> you know, I don't. I, you know, <laughs> honestly, it's just most of the time it's because uh, I was responding. I didn't know how to deal with trolls. I was a young guy. I was fiery. Yeah, very fiery. And um, some people would say something, and I knew I was a good player. And I'll just, you know, let's throw that out here. Anybody knows it's, it's much easier to talk trash when you're, when you're winning basically every game. So yeah, there's, there's that part of it too. And yeah, so I used to let people have it a little bit and, um, I always had very colorful language in this. And yeah, I admit it, people would get it my skin. They say some things and, um, yeah, it's just the internet was a new experience to me. I was a fiery young man. You know, I was, I gotten some, fights as, as in my youth before I was an adult and you know usually it was somebody said this or somebody said that and uh you know something I wouldn't I wouldn't repeat as as an adult you know but things you do when you're young no I mean, it would it'd be fun to go back and kind of have like that Conor McGregor type coverage of that or at least I honestly I wish there were someone like you participating now and i know that's not possible because it's a much more professional environment and everybody's got to be cool and all that shit but it would be so fucking fun to just you know read on the headlines like oh shit (laughs) you know like so and so kick whatever's ass in the game and then after the game because they talk shit like that's no i don't i don't think uh, yeah and i don't think that has any shouldn't be violence certainly has no place so it's all a game you should have good sportsmanship i was speaking just more in terms of just stupid Oh, of course. If kids get in fight, yeah. And, uh, it, I never was actually, you know, in terms of competition, I, it's funny I got the chair throwing reputation because that's not really <laughs> how I how I interacted with my peers at all. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's just interesting. It's the legend, though. Like, that, that's the thing. It's not really – nobody nobody wants anyone to actually be punching people in the face or acting like a jackass. That's never fun ever. I'm there, saying – There was there was an incident, though. There was an incident okay. I will share. It's um, his name was Bitch Slayer of all of all names, and uh, yeah, there was an incident on camera that I guess the way I remember is he was in an intense game, like a duel or something, and and somebody was like really like hovering over him, watching. You know what I mean? Just imagine you're in a game and somebody's like really just like over your shoulder watching. And he kept saying like how much he didn't like it, didn't appreciate it, and kept warning him. And then it turned into uh, a confrontation where Bitch Slayer decided to bitch slap somebody in the face over it. And uh, interesting, interesting <laughs> chain of events. There's a little story for back, back for you folks. Back in the day. Now we're, I mean, we're talking earlier about like we're not, not necessarily selling you anything other than entertainment and. I mean, like, look at the way things work. If you have some kind of like drama to help sell the real product, which is you guys playing the game, then it fuck all the better. Like, it's fun. It was. I'm sorry. I just, I just thinking back. I'm like, I can't believe that happened. But yeah, it happened. <laughs> so, like, at what point did you start to see things get more like truly organized, as far as esports go? Oh, well, the WCG, right? 
when I uh, went out to the first World Cyber Games. I guess before that as well. I mean, the CPL was really a it was really a big deal. You know, people can love him or hate him. Angel Munoz was important. The CPL was important. And uh, that that's when things started getting more serious as there was regular events, regular tournaments every year. Uh, you, you knew there was going to be a few, a few big ones. And, um, you know, Razor CPL was really big. The players from all over the world going there. And, uh, you know, the one that WCG happened, I mean, I don't think you can, I think that would be the big one because, you know, South Korea putting on a big event multiple titles, bringing in players from around the world, an Olympic-style event, right? It's really trying to take it to the next level. Um, so I would say that from that point on, uh, I would imagine the the organizational growth has, has been pretty significant. At what point, so Quake, Quake 3 comes in at some point here. Quake 2 had really solid run there for a bit, but then Quake 3 kind of became like the, the Quake. Yeah, the... Yeah, the end of '99. Yeah, the, yeah, the late, the later end of the 1999. Quake, Quake Three tests came out, and then later Quake Three, um, and then we had the you know the XSI, uh, which is a invitational tournament in Sweden where they brought out some players from Quake One, Quake Two, Quake Three. Well, coming into Quake Three, yeah, some of the people that won Quake Three test flew them out to an event for that. Came in second to. Um, a guy named Fatality. Maybe somebody, maybe you guys might have heard of him. No, never heard um, of him. No, just kidding. Um, so yeah, that was, because at the time, uh, coming off of Quake 2, I was pretty confident that, mm-hmm. that I could beat anybody at Quake. And uh, John was definitely, um, came out of the blue in that tournament. I didn't, I didn't even know who he was, honestly. I was like, oh, this guy, this guy's a grinder. Nice, so, weird cat, man. Yeah. Like, I've never met him, obviously, but. Like definitely, like his his story is particularly weird. Like he comes in, dominates Quake Three, then he you know like does the MTV thing. I think that was Unreal Tournament, if I'm not mistaken. Like strange, like just a unique story there. Yeah, he's he's he definitely. Uh, speaking of, that's kind of another sign that it was going to another level. Was uh, the the hours required to stay to stay on top and, and be competitive was was increasing. Where, where before you could kind of, you could take it more as a pastime and then, you know, maybe two weeks before a tournament or a month out, you can start bumping the hours out and, you know, you bump it up a little bit and you're ready versus later on, it was like, uh, I got to play every day and I got to play, you know, X amount of hours every day and probably watch some demos of some of my opponents every day. And yeah, it, it turned into... Turn it to work. <laughs> yeah, it turns it turns a game into a job. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's fun. It's a fun it's a fun job, but yeah, it definitely it, it turns it more into a work work thing. Yeah, uh, you you probably talked about this plenty of times, but just kind of like that transition. As we said earlier, you were kind of a weapons uh, player, not so much a armor timing and all that shit. And then Quake Quake Three, uh, I want to say undermined that, but definitely just changed the way that worked. Then we. You had a pretty long career, you know, playing Quake Three, but obviously, like that, that's when it changed, and you start to see these like monster animals that you know practice all day, every day. And sure, game. yeah. And then we we saw yeah. you kind of like not perform at you know at the level that you did in Quake Two uh, later on. Well, I, I wouldn't say that. I'd just say it. Uh, the game, the game changed because I, I was competing really well up until I I stopped. Playing basically, I and mean, once I stopped, yeah, I uh, started taking long breaks and, and getting off of it. It's really hard to get it back um, without dedicating yourself. And I, I, I was just mentally never really dedicated anymore. Okay. So that that was it was a, definitely a slow decline. Yeah, if at <laughs> any was, point it sounds like I'm being a jerk, I'm not. I'm speaking from no, no, no. I yeah, just, yeah. I, it's just um um because you know early on I was I was only losing to I mean the people I was competitive with you know, fatality, um, zero four, um, basically all the people who are in the running to, to win yeah. tournaments or were the people I maybe I'd drop a match to, but overall I was winning, winning a lot until, until after bad, which is like, so I started playing counter-strike 
started playing Counter Strike, so I'm going to. And then I came back, and it was definitely never, never the same. I got, you know, I kind of got back on a little bit and uh, qualified for like what WC the final, what the WCG qualifier and some other time. I went to QuakeCon a little bit and got like top eight something, which for my standards was definitely subpar. But I was nowhere near. Um, I knew going in that I wasn't wasn't the player I was anymore. It's it's kind of interesting that, yeah. you, that you mentioned that because it's uh, I, I was feeling it um, after after Babbage's after I took a break and started playing Counter Strike. I, I can literally pinpoint when when I say it's like yeah I lost my edge from that point on because I never got it back. Never got it back. I was always always a step behind and it just got worse and worse after that. What was that feeling though? Is it like a like a slow burn kind of like you realize it over time, or or was it more like? Because the way I picture it is, was it a relief to no longer feel like you had to be number one, you know, all the time? Because you said that earlier, like you hate losing. Uh yeah. There's there's. I mean, I enjoy a lot of different game titles now. If you if you were to see how I play games today, so in that aspect, I I do enjoy the fact that I don't have to focus. I can take pride in being mediocre at everything you know <laughs> but no it, it was honestly at first it was a little frustrating yeah for at first it was a little frustrating because you know you, I, I i could feel it i knew there was there was a problem and and um it's just like i couldn't i couldn't recapture it it made me i guess that it made me realize i took it for granted a little bit hmm. um the level i was playing at and then yeah, when you when you lose it, you're like, damn, I want it back. And you're like, that's not so easy to get back. And then you then you start appreciating, wow, I actually did. all the all the work I was doing to get there. It's like, I guess you don't really realize it until after, especially when you're. I was a young guy, and I was just like, ah, yeah, I could just I could pick it up again, no problem. I got this. It's like, nah, you know, you you fall a little bit behind. You don't go to an event here and there. You stop practicing with the guys. Um, and then you just try to come back on it. And it's like, eh, it's just, you, you lose a step, I, I guess. It's like, I'm just a step, a step slower, man. Just a step slower. Just not, not recognizing things, um, you know, a half second late when, when, yeah, milliseconds matter. Um, yeah. and, and, and it was just that kind of thing. And I can talk to anybody who's, who's really good. And I guess the way I can explain it is, is I noticed, the game didn't seem slow to me anymore. That that's that's the best way I can explain it. The game really felt slow to me before. Everything was just like in slow motion, man. And and then I, I could see these little openings and how to take advantage of these openings because, like I said, the game was kind of really slowed down for me. And then every when I came back after a little bit of a break, and it's just everything felt a lot more a lot more rushed, a lot more panicky like not yeah just it's and then over time that you know and especially now oh yeah if somebody asked why don't why couldn't you do it today and like because my instincts are all out of whack all out of whack like completely out of whack like in terms of just what i was talking about player prediction and and understanding the game and understanding how people think in the game that's just gone man gone and the only way you get that back is is grinding experience dedication practice and you know, I I just I I've stepped off of it, man. I had I had career goals, I had career concerns. You know, I had a lot of extra outside pressures too. So yeah. that that was also part of it. That's very eloquently worded, man. Like I can't really imagine what that must have been like at all. Like what what was it like for like your family and like your parents and friends that you kind of grew up around and kind of see you go from you know the kid that they knew to this like video gaming legend, especially at like a time when it was misunderstood. Not to say that they judged you, but what was it like for them? Get a real job. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's it? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was it's, it's, you know, I, I sold it as, look, I'm young, I'm trying something I'm passionate about because I feel like this is, this is going to be something big in the future. So I want to be a part of it and help start it or whatever. Um, and and I knew that, you know, I could only do that for so long, yeah. given given my life situation. You know, there was there was no, it was never in the cards for me to do it full time forever. Let's just put it that way. 
If you so, kind of, do they realize now, like the, the impact that you've had on this business and the sport in general, or like group of sports, really? Shoot, I don't even think I know if what impact I've had on the on the business, man. If any, you know, I just the fact that some people actually remember me at all is pretty pretty neat. Oh, that's, but, that's um, really really humble, man. But but <laughs> I mean, seriously, um, you know, you got guys that are really really pushing it to the next level now really pushing it to the next level today, like doing, doing big things for esports today. And yeah. I'm just, you know, just the fact that I was a part of it and it's, it's pretty cool. Journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. And you were one of those first few hundred steps, you know, maybe the first 20, realistically speaking, there's, it's a handful of like great players, great designers, and then like great influencers and supporters who made the events happen. It's so it's a lot of moving parts, you know. The, the fact that we even still have these demos to go back and watch is incredible to me. Because most kids today, like me included, you know, getting into these games, uh, we're used to watching things on like YouTube and Twitch and that, that kind of deal with it. There's all this preserved data that's just kind of scattered around on different forums and websites and old like, RRC channels. Ways to kind of really dive deep into the history of what this is. And when it comes to Quake 1, Quake 2, Doom, Unreal Tournament, like the, these games were, you know, not as popular now as they once were, but this was the beginning of a very huge industry. That there's actually, there, man, there's tournament demos. I, I still wish I could find there's, yeah. there's demos that I, I they might be just lost to history, honestly. I'd have maybe somebody on some hard drive, you know, has some stored on a hard drive somewhere. But yeah, there's there's demos that I, I can't even find mm. of, of games that were played. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> Your dad was a military guy, you said? I was in the Navy for a little bit, yeah. Okay. The, like, because you kind of said like that get a real job kind of mentality. I don't know if that came specifically from him or any of that, but. Just wondering. Uh, it's just it was just yeah it was just a different time right yeah. like, again the, the concept was foreign to to anybody and um, you know I just tried to say we're we're trying to form our own professional sport we're trying to create our own professional sport and uh, um, there's there's a lot of good things about esports you know one of the things I mentioned is that not everybody can be an athlete as somebody who who is pretty luckily physically gifted you know, I'm medically i've been healthy and, and lucky in that regard and i was able to play a lot of different sports as a kid but not everybody can play can play sports not everybody's you know everybody has different physical abilities and, and limitations right and some people are more coordinated than others and, and this and that and, and i've always felt like with esports it's anybody can get in front of a computer for the most part and and participate you know, without feeling like they're going to fall over and throw up in five minutes. <laughs> well, but, you know, because certain sports, you know, it, it requires a level of right of training and and and, and things like that. And I recognize that most people, you know, if you go by the law of averages, most people aren't on the upper echelon of of you know athleticism. You know, shoot, I am not anymore either. You know what I mean? I could run for five minutes, I'd probably be ready to throw up. <laughs> yeah, so, so the reality is, I think esports is. Uh, brings in a lot of different folks. Well, even even it's even true of esports. Like you you can say that like some people aren't physically gifted and therefore would never, you know, are never going to be top level NBA players, but some people are mentally gifted and some people aren't. And I'm not saying like smart or dumb or but like their ability to focus, you know, like a, a lot of great gamers probably have like they're, they're they fall somewhere on the spectrum of autism or like Asperger's perhaps, or ADD, or some, something that we may even call a disorder, but is actually a gift in regards to their ability to focus and uh, analyze the game, you know? Uh, I don't even know if I, I would get into necessarily all that. I just I just think everybody has a unique ability to, to, um, be, to excel at something they're passionate about. So yeah. I, I, think, I think when people devote time um, to something, um, you, you can obviously get very good at it. And even, even if you don't become, you know, the best at something, if you, if you really do apply yourself, you'll end up being very, very good, which is not, you know, and I think people need to have some, I think 
a problem. I guess I call it a problem is people need to have some, I guess, realistic expectations in terms of understanding that you don't have to be perfect all the time to, to be happy, oh, that's be true. good, you know, and, and try and striving to be the best and even, you know, it's good to strive to be the best, but if you fall a little short, you know, you shouldn't at the same time, you shouldn't be hard on yourself for that and just recognize the, your efforts and, and where you are as a, as an individual. It's all about growth, man. It's all about growth. That's a very beautiful way of putting it. I think you're you're much kinder now. <laughs> That's really nice to hear you say stuff like that, man. It's, it's sort of like a like well, it's beautiful, all inclusive. Well, it's, you, it's wisdom. People, yeah. Like I remember sometimes in college, it's like you don't turn something in an assignment because it's not ready, and you end up getting a zero. I'm just like, no, I should have turned it in. Who cares if it wasn't perfect or not? Just turn it in, man. Yeah. Get the work in. And don't beat yourself up too much about it. You know, not every, everybody, everybody makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Um, like again, it comes back to pressure. You think you're going to get good at something, putting a bunch of pressure on yourself and yeah, it's not going to happen. I, I don't think that'll happen for you. Yeah. You know, you should just, you should enjoy it. You should enjoy something, be passionate about it and, and just play, let, let the chips fall where they may. If you would like to support the keep, there are several ways you can go about doing that. There are monetary options such as Patreon, PayPal, and our Amazon affiliate link, all located on our website. Also on our website, inthekeep.com. You can find our merch tab. You can buy uh, t-shirts or posters, stickers, wall tapestries, whatever you want with our logo on it. And we'll be adding more to that store uh, you know, over the course of time. But you know, those are the monetary ways. And then there's, you know, obvious ways, which is just Spread the word. Just tell people that you enjoy the show. Share it on your social media or your forum or your IRC or whatever. If it applies to that community, then, you know, that's all we ask. That's all we can ask. If you enjoy the show and you want to hear more shows like it, I highly recommend you go check out Multiplayer Doom Federation's show, which is Doom is Dead podcast, hosted by Human Bones. He is one bad SOB, and I think you would really enjoy it if you love Doom as much as I do. You can also go check out the Quake cast, hosted by Dump Truck, and depending on the day, it could be just him or JCR or RC, any of which would be an amazing episode. They're all fantastic members of the Quake single-player community. I hope you check that out. Finally, every Saturday morning, live from Kentucky, check out Quake Fans Radio, hosted by Smango of QuakeFans.net. It's all things arena first-person shooters. It comes at you live, again, every Saturday morning. I think it's 7 a.m. or something uh, Eastern time. I know it's like super early for me, but then you can just check it out afterwards on YouTube or you know from the podcast app or whatever it is that you want to do, man. It's a great show, and I love Smango, so... Definitely go check that out. All the links to all these shows you can find on the front page of QuakeFans.net. I hope you do. Take care and stay in the keep.